A story is told, the famous Neide Behuda asked Abshmelka of Nicholsburg, who was a great rabbi and tzaddik and halachist and kabbalist in his own right, why is it that you travel to the great Maggid of Mazrich? You yourself are a great leader and a great teacher. Why do you need to go and follow someone else? Dabshmelka of Nicholsburg responded that the answer is found in this week's parsha. The opening words of this week's parsha is Vayishma Yisroi. And Yisroi heard. What did he hear? Says Rashi, he heard two things. He heard, number one, the miracle of the splitting of the Red Sea, how God took the entire Jewish nation through the Red Sea, and how the Egyptians followed, and then the sea covered over the Egyptian army. That was the first miracle that he heard. Then he heard the second thing. The Mechemes Amalek, the war that Amalek came and fought against the Jewish people. These are the two things that prompted Yisrael to come and see Moses in the desert and eventually to convert to Judaism. Shmuelke of Nicholsburg asked the question, what does it mean he heard these two things? Why were these two things the two major episodes that prompted Yisroi to go and see Moses. So he said this was Yisroi's logic. Yisroi said, look, the splitting of the Red Sea was a big miracle. The entire world knew about this miracle because it says all the waters in the world split at the same time. They were aware of this great miracle. You would think after such a miracle, the entire world would become awestruck with, with the greatness of God and they would respect the Jewish people and fear the Jewish people. Yet, right after the miracle, what happened? Amalek comes and attacks the Jewish people to show unbridled chutzpah that we undermine the greatness of God. We don't care what happened with God. We're going to show the world we can still start up with God's pupil of his eye, the Jewish people. So Yisrael said like this. He analyzed the situation. It's not enough that we learn Torah and we get inspired by the miracles of Torah because after that, we can forget about these miracles. Look, Amalek saw the miracles and yet they weren't impressed. What keeps a Jew, what keeps a person connected to God is by going to a teacher. By having a teacher, by having a Moshe Rabbeinu who constantly teaches you and guides you, that is the way you are going to continue your path to serve Hashem. Yes, miracles excite us from time to time, but it's like a fuss over nothing. Tomorrow we forget about it. Constant study, constant learning, connecting ourselves with, with a big tzaddik, that is the way one will continue to remain on the straight path and continue to serve Hashem. So this is one of the, the reasons, one of the interpretations of why Rashi chooses these two major episodes, these two major events to tell us this is what Vayishma Yisrael Yisrael heard. Another way of looking at it is Yisroi analyzed these two major situations, and they are diabolically the opposite one of the other. On one hand, you have the splitting of the Red Sea. The splitting of the Red Sea was a clear miracle. 
a major miracle. Here you see a famous sea, Sea of the Reeds. All of a sudden it splits. The Jews walk right through it. And right behind the Jews come the Egyptians and they're totally wiped out. It was a clear miracle. Nobody argued with the miracle. Then you see a war that took place with Amalek. How did Amalek fight the war? Or rather, how was Amalek defeated? It was by a physical war. The Jews actually took all of these arrows and spears and they went and fought a war. So Yisrael realized up until now he imagined God, the God beyond nature, a God that breaks nature, a God that performs his major miracles. But he didn't know that God is actually involved also with nature, with everyday happenings, everyday things, in our day-to-day life, our eating, our sleeping, that God is actually concerned about the natural order of every person. When he realized that God is not only into the big major things, the big miracles, but also into the details, that inspired him to come close to Almighty God. And by the way, this is also the connection to the holiday of Purim that we're going to be celebrating in a few weeks. What was unique about Purim over all the other major holidays of the year? Pesach, we celebrate the Exodus of Egypt. Again, a major miracle, the Ten Plagues. Shavuot was, again, God coming down on the mountain, a major revelation. Even Hanukkah is a holiday Mm -hmm. that they found one cruise of oil, lasted for eight days. Major miracles. What makes Purim different than all the other holidays is that Purim was a perfect play. Every detail was orchestrated to the T. Every detail worked out perfectly. We know in our life, we plan, as they say, right? we plan and God laughs. It doesn't work out the way we plan it. When things work out exactly the way we plan it, that's a miracle. And the fact that everything worked out according to nature is a reminder that God is in the details. God cares about every single one of us and every moment he is constantly providing for us and caring for us and watching over us and blessing us. And this is the, the importance of what Yisroi saw in the, the power of God. And that's what brought him to come close and to be connected with Moses. So comes along the Torah and tells us, Yishma Yisroi, Yisroi came. He came to the desert, even though he was Koyin Midjon. He was very wealthy. He was the, the Koyin, the priest of Midjon. And he knew all the religions. He had many followers. He knew all the gods. He had tremendous money and power. Yet he gave everything up to go into a desert. Why? Because he wanted to connect with God. He says, now I know. God is greater than all these other gods, all, all these other religions. And he goes and he joins Moses in the desert. Right after this story, the Torah moves on. And that is the next morning, Moses got up to judge the people. And Yisrael, who's a professional, he's an organizer, tells Moses, you're going to wear yourself out. There are 600,000 men between the age of 20 and 60. Then there's wives, 
and his children. You're talking about two, three million people. You're going to stand and judge and deal with every problem, every kvetch of every person. You're going to be wiped out in a week. You're going to be finished. You're going to retire. You've got 40 more years in the desert. You can't do this. Let me advise you what to do. You should look with your eyes and choose people to become the leaders of thousands and hundreds and tens, etc., etc. When was this day, the next day? The next day, it says, was the next day after Yisrael came. Yisrael, according to Rashi, came before the giving of the Torah. So what is the next day? The next day is actually the day after Yom Kippur. And actually, more than a year later. What happened was, Moses went to Mount Sinai to receive the Torah for the Jewish people. God came down on the mountain. It was the sixth day of the month of Sivan. That was Matan Torah. We heard the Ten Commandments from God himself. The next day, Moses goes up to receive the tablets. He doesn't have the tablets yet. He's there for 40 days and 40 nights. He is taught the entire Torah. He comes down now with the tablets 40 days later. What does he see? He sees a golden calf. He breaks the tablets. He goes back up for another 40 days. Why? To pray on behalf of the Jewish people because God wants to wipe them out. God's angry. He says, I took you out of Egypt and that's the way you repay me, right? You go serve other idols. So for 40 days and 40 nights, Moses is praying to spare the Jewish people. God finally says, fine, I won't destroy the Jewish people. But being that you broke my first set of luchos, my first set of tablets, go find me another set. So Moses goes down and digs and finds another set of luchos, of tablets, brings it up to the mountain, is there for another 40 days. So three sets of 40. He comes down with the second set of luchos when? Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement. And that day has been designated for all generations to be the Day of Forgiveness. The Day of Atonement that God says, I will forgive you for your sins. Just like I forgave the Jewish people then for the sin of the golden calf, every year on Yom Kippur, I forgive you for your sins. So, Moshe comes down with the second set of tablets on Yom Kippur. Says the Torah, and now it was the next day. What was the next day? Says Rashi, the day after Yom Kippur. It was the first time that Moses had the opportunity after receiving the Torah from God to actually have a face-to-face connection with all the Jewish people. Because for the last 120 days, he was going up and down, up and down, up and down. And Yisrael sees what's going on. And he says to Moshe, you can't do this. You have to make different leaders. You have to empower people. And that's the way you're going to have a viable people, a viable nation. And that's the way it will continue for all generations. And that's what he does. How do we understand this on a more mystical level? On a more personal level for all of us. What is Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is a day of atonement. 
today that all of us are like Malachi Ashodes, like angels. We don't eat like angels don't eat. We were white like angels wear white. We're holy people. And on this day, we are all atoned because we all did tshuva. Every Jew did tshuva on Yom Kippur. If he didn't do it at the beginning of Yom Kippur, he did it at the end, we came together, we said, Shema Yisrael, and Baruch Shem, and Hashem Olikim seven times. By the end of Yom Kippur, we are atoned. The question is, what happens the day after Yom Kippur? Why is the day after Yom Kippur? Now Moshe Rabbeinu has to deal with all these problems. We just atoned the day before. Things are good. We started all over. Now you have problems. Give it a few months. <laughs> so this was the question that the previous Rebbe asked his father, the Rebbe Rashab. Now that Yom Kippur is over, what do we have to do? And the Rebbe Rashab said, Now we first have to begin to do tshuva. What does that mean? Tshuva, in contrast to, to the world understanding of tshuva, tshuva is not for sins. Tshuva literally means to return, to get closer to God. So now that Yom Kippur is over and all the sins are atoned for, now you can really get closer to God. And we read this, we read this the week of Tu B'Shvat, the week of the new year for trees. There are many lessons for the connection between trees and humankind. But one of the lessons that we derive is that the new year for trees is the custom to eat fruit. Fruit. Not wheat and barley, which are staple foods, but fruit. What is fruit? Fruit is something that's not essential. But rather, fruit is something that gives you pleasure. Tanuk. So Tu B'Shvat is the holiday that teaches us that we need to serve God with pleasure. Everything we do in Yiddishkeit, in Torah, in mitzvahs, in our daily service to Hashem, should not be done in a reluctant way because we're forced. We have to, okay, if I don't, I'm going to burn and you know we're in purgatory. It has to be with joy. It has to be with happiness and see the pleasure in everything that you do. We drink the wine Friday night, taste the wine, taste the geschmack. Ah, this is delicious. Delicious gefilter fish, delicious chicken soup, delicious chicken. I do a mitzvah, give me tzedakah. Ah, I'm so happy I can do tzedakah. I'm, I'm lighting the candles. Wow, I see the light. It brings me joy. So, Tu B'Shvat is the Rosh Hashanah, is the new year for pleasure for the whole year. Why do we do the day after Rosh Hashanah of trees, the day after Tu B'Shvat? Now we have to first begin to do tshuva. In other words, the lesson of the parasha, the lesson of Yisrael is, Yisrael literally means what? To add. Yeter, to add. Yisrael is coming along and telling us, no matter how big you are, how smart you are, how amazing you are, you got to add every day. You got to do more. And that is really the, the quintessential definition of a convert. What is a convert? A convert is someone who doesn't have to follow 613 commandments. A non-Jew, according to Torah, only follows seven commandments. That's it. Okay, there's a few extra, like tzedakah and respecting your parents. But you don't have 613 commandments. And yet, on their own, they chose to convert to Yiddishkeit. And that's why 
A convert in reality is even higher than an FFB or one who is from from birth or one who was born Jewish because they chose Judaism on their own. It's interesting, the Gemara says in the tract of the Pesachim that the entire reason why God sent the Jewish people into exile is in order that they increase converts amongst the Jewish people. Now, on one hand, we don't look for converts. On the other hand, the reason why we're there is to inspire the nations of the world to see the beauty of God, the beauty of Torah, that they too should follow in that path. So right after the story of Mitzrayim, of Pasha, Shemois, Ve'era, Boi B'Shalach, talks about Egypt, slavery, the Exodus, splitting of the Red Sea, what's the Pasha, the next Pasha? Yisroi. Who is Yisroi? He's the convert. To tell us that, look, the whole purpose of us going into Egypt, the whole purpose of us going into slavery, is so now Yisroi should become a convert and be transformed to serve Almighty God. So much so, says the Zoya. The Zoya says that God was waiting for Yisroi to come in order to give the Torah to the Jewish people. It was only after Yisroi came and they acknowledged, now I know God is greater than all the nations of the world and all the gods of all the nations. At that moment, God said, okay, now I can give the Torah to the Jewish people. So this also answers the original question. Why did Yisrael come? By Yishma Yisrael, he heard. What did he hear? He heard, number one, the splitting of the Red Sea, a great miracle. And then he saw how Amalek despised the Jewish people. It bothered him. There was anti-Semitism. There's anti-Semitism in the world. What am I doing about it? And because of the anti-Semitism, because Amalek went and undermined the honor of the Jewish people, Yisrael said, I have to do something to fix that. I'm going to make a declaration. I'm going to set the record straight. These are good people. These are holy people. These are God's chosen people. You have to respect them and treat them with honor and dignity. I'm going to give up my palace. I'm going to give up my honor to honor them. So this is what Yisrael accomplished. He created a new parsha in the Torah. The parsha of Atasechazah. Moses, you should go choose for yourself assistance and empower additional rabbis and leaders. This is why he is called Yisrael. Because he added a whole new parsha to the Torah. So much so that we call the parsha that deals with the Ten Commandments. Perhaps the most important parsha in the entire scripture by the name Yisroi, by the name of a convert. Because really, this is the whole power and the whole purpose and the whole reason of our souls coming down into the world is to transform the darkest and make it into the most brightest. So what does Moshe Rabbeinu do? If you look in the English, it says you should discern. But really, the word techza means you shall see. In other words, listen to this. The Hasidic interpretation is that by the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu will look at a person, even a simple person, an ish pashut, and he will look at him, he will make that person into a leader. That's the power of Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, yes, we go. And find these people. You look at them. Simply by looking at them, you will have the power to empower them. 
to inspire them, to transform them, to reveal their soul that they possess, which is a chilek elikam and malnamish part of God himself. And they will be able to become true leaders. And this is, I, I believe, all agree, those who had the opportunity and the host to go to get dollars Sunday morning by the Rebbe, people walked by and said, I felt he looked at me, he looked through my soul, he, he looked through my entire history to the day I was born until the day I would die. He saw me and he inspired me and he empowered me. This is the power of a leader. And the truth of the matter is, this is the message for all of us. Every single one of us possess a spark of Moshe Rabbeinu. We possess a spark of God. We possess a spark of leadership. And we possess the spark of Moshe. And it's up to us to look and see. We have to look at the world in a positive way. We have to look at people in a positive way. We have to overlook the negative and we have to see the positive. The previous Rebbe once asked his father, the Rebbe Rishab, how come we have two eyes? We have only one nose, only one mouth. Why two eyes? Why not make one eye? And he said that in the olive base you have the shin and the sin. It's a double letter. The shin has a dot on the right side and the sin has a dot on the left side. When you look at candies, you look at the left, the left eye. Small, uh, I don't need so much candies. When you look at another Jew, another person, you look at the right eye. Wow, look how big he is, look how special he is. Similarly, in the Torah you have big letters and small letters. When you see a person's faults, you look at those faults with the small letters. When you see a person's talents, you look at the big letters. For you to be a Moses, we have to see the good in other people. For one to be a Moses, we need to reveal the good in other people. And by seeing and revealing the good in the other person, that is the way Yisroi, that is the way we add to the Torah, that is where we add to the world, and that is the way we will bring ourselves and the entire world the Kabbal Panei Mashiach Sutkenu.